0: Amen. So uh, last week, we finished Psalm 3 uh, pretty quickly, actually. And uh, this week, the goal is to get through both Psalms 4 and 5, both of the Psalms. Uh, so uh, we've kind of joked lightly about, is it Psalms 4 <laughs> and Psalms 5? It's Psalm. It's, as, it's an actual Psalm. If you look in your Bible, it says Psalm Four, so it is the book of Psalms, but uh, these uh, these poems and songs uh, together are, are blessings to us. Written, many of them written by um, by David. But uh, so uh, here we are. Uh, we left off in, in Psalm uh, after Psalm three, and pulling right up to uh, Psalm four, we uh, we pick up here. Before the psalm starts, the heading uh, in my Bible reads, uh, To the Chief Musician with Stringed Instruments, a Psalm of David. So uh, we're going to read through the whole thing and then come back. So, uh, hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men? will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself, him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say who will show us any good. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart, more than in the season uh, that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety so all the way back at the beginning it says uh before verse one to the chief musician you can also look at that as the choir director so uh, the song and it says with stringed instruments so i i actually had a a christian brother of ours years ago reach out to me and he he grew up with a strong catholic background and uh came to the lord and uh started a relationship with the lord I'm i'm gonna say 10 years ago um and uh one day he uh, he reached out to me. I think it was it might have been at work or he sent me a text. And he's like, hey, this weekend somebody told me uh, when I was visiting home or whatever that it's not biblical. It's not right for me to be listening to songs and praising God, that it's supposed to just be a cappella. And I'm going, what is that? There are people that believe that. Right, right, Susan? No, okay. I don't know who it is, but I do know, I have heard of it. And as awkward as that that is and, and would be, um, it's, a, it's a tremendous amount of legalism uh, that, that someone would say, well, it's not written in the New Testament, so we're not doing it. Okay, so what else do they need to write in the, test- the New Testament that you're doing? You know, okay, well, they didn't drive cars in the New Testament. So get a horse and buggy. And go, you know, maybe that's it. I don't, I don't know. But uh, the foolishness of that, you know, and so I told him, turn, I I just, God just said Psalm 150. Psalm 150 is talking about singing, you know, using instruments and um, I'm saying it. I'm just going to, I'm going to read it really fast to you because I think it's pretty short. Um, Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord in his sanctuary, praise him. Uh, In his mighty firmament, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his greatness. Praise him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with a timbrel uh, and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Uh, Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So, so okay. (laughs) And then when you look here in the beginning, David said this song is supposed to be played on stringed instruments. When we get to Psalm five, it says with flutes. Okay, so so now so after after uh, Jesus died, was there supposed to be like a mass burning of all instruments and they're never supposed to be played? It's the it's the silliest thing ever. I'm just telling you, there are weird doctrines out there that people will literally correct somebody for grabbing a guitar and like, who do you think invented music and why do you think he did? <laughs> you know he put it in the heart of man to to make musical instruments to play instruments to him you know it's it's silly to think that oh you know hey you know it shouldn't shouldn't touch those things so it's it's absolutely foolish that he is the reason the instruments exist and he's the reason that we sing so when it comes down to everything it's as foolish as it sounds so i just wanted to share with you before we even get into the psalm, there are people with hard stances on the fact that no, nothing is supposed to be played and it's supposed to just be our voices lifted. What if someone can't sing on key, you know, or, or whatever, because you can kind of hum it and whatever and nobody hears you. But yeah, I don't know. It's as silly as it sounds, sillier than it sounds, actually. But uh, anyways, uh, verse one says, uh, hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved my distress have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So, uh, there's the petition, there's the cry out to the Lord for him to hear. Uh, but he says, Oh God of my righteousness. He's not saying because I'm righteous, Lord, hear me. He's saying, because you are my righteousness, please hear me. So in your own righteousness, uh, you know, hear me, you know, um, there's a there's a psalm and I, I'm trying to think of which one it is. But in your faithfulness answer me. In your righteousness do not judge, for no one is righteous. And uh, it's that I think it's psalm. Um, uh, it might be a, 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 a from Job also. I, I'm trying to think of where it is, but the, it's in the Bible. I promise you, okay. But in in your righteousness do not judge, for no one is righteous. It's God's righteousness that that. So when David's writing writing this, he's not. He, he is living a life following the Lord we know that David had great failure in his life but the Lord restored him and now you can live that life of righteousness that's the the great uh, gift of the Lord is that old life is gone and the new one uh, in in God is uh, is is completely new and we never have to worry about oh, well you know I, I this day I'm you know saved by grace this day I don't really feel like it or am i really it's if we've confessed with our mouth and believed in our heart, the Lord Jesus we're saved, you know, and then first John five uh, will is shared with us a million times. We can know that we are saved. Jane, uh, John was writing that so that you can know that you're saved. It's not a, it's not a coin flip. It's not a, I'm saved today. I'm not tomorrow. We either are saved by Christ's blood, uh, and, uh, his perfect sacrifice, uh, or we're not. So, uh, when, when he says God of my righteousness, uh, we can look at it as the one that makes us righteous, the one that makes me righteous. So uh, it says, you've relieved me in my stress, uh, in my distress. Um, Jesus, Remember Jesus crying out, saying, come to me, all you are who- weary, and I will give you rest. So uh, basically what we can read here and sum up from verse one is, you know, call out the God on the basis of his mercy and his righteousness and not our own worthiness. So I'm uh, moving on to verse two. So it says, How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? So uh, this isn't God saying this. Uh, if you look at all the M's, uh, they're, they're lowercase. It's David writing this. And uh, this, is, uh, this is speaking of David the king. And uh, th- how long will you love worthlessness and seek a falsehood? Uh, those two go and, go hand in hand. Uh, the loving of worthlessness, uh, things that that don't matter, uh, things that you know. He says, "How long will you to t- will you uh, turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthless?" These are all negative things, and then you see the contrast in verse three. It says, "But know that the Lord has set apart for Himself he who is godly. The Lord will hear him when I call to him." So there's there's the contrast. One that uh will love worthlessness and seek falsehood uh and then there's one that would seek the lord and and uh and love the lord and and call out to him so we see those differences that 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 word but is is sharing uh the fact that there's a contrast here so there's there's that loving worthlessness and falsehood all the, everything that is false and uh things that in in a negative sense you know that that we would uh that the focus could be on the false instead of the true. That's that's. Uh, I'd, I'd rather be on the other side of that coin, where it says in verse three. But uh, it, it, and then it explains, know that the Lord has set apart for Himself. The Lord has had ma- has made wonderful, a uh, sanctified, made holy is what that means. Set apart. So uh, when we're looking at those, there's there's the complete difference. There's the the one that will love worthlessness and falsehood. Or to seek the Lord and be set apart by Him and made wonderful. There's that's that's a wonderful tra- a contrast that that's easy to see the difference. But still, that worthlessness and falsehood is is so prominent even in today's culture and even as it goes, it's just whatever whatever could be false and whatever uh, is worthless that that's the focus rather than just seeking the Lord. You know, because when you get to the end of your life and go, okay, well, you know, I saw this and that and. Filled my life up with everything that I could, uh, and my life is empty. You know, or we can say, you know what? I lived for the Lord, and the Lord blessed me. I always had a great, you know, church body to be in, and I watched my children grow and follow the Lord, and uh, I, I watched, uh, you know, my life be blessed by God as I followed Him. I'll, I'll take that over the falsehood uh, and the worthlessness any day. So. I, that's that's what I would want said of me that I was set apart for God, made holy, made wonderful. Uh, that He hears me when I call. It's it's talking about uh, the Lord will hear him when I call. Uh, will hear when I call to him. You know, it's always a great reward from God for seeking his face. So it's a a question. What does somebody want in their life? The falsehood and uh, the uh, worthlessness? Or do we want all these things to be set apart, made holy, made wonderful, that the Lord would hear us and reward us? To me, it's an easy thing to look at. You know, it's, oh, ding. I I wasn't very good in school. I I was an awful student. My attention span was that. Uh, and that's probably even a stretch. Um I, I did not like school. You guys know this. I've shared this. Um, there were a few things I loved gym um and I loved English. I, I loved both of those and I still do. I math and science, not so much. Um but I I, I loved those and I I would I would get all excited um, about those two things, but uh you know when, when we can look here and uh, We see what the Lord has and as we seek his face. We're gonna be so blessed, you know that so there's never a uh, Like uh, what, what is this? Why you know? Why do I want to follow this in my life? Why, what does it matter if I know this in life? Uh, the Word of God is always going to bless us Just to know that he hears us also verse 4 be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your, your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There's a lot to be said here. Be angry and do not sin. So, first of all, being angry in and of itself is, is not sin. Uh, we, we, anger is a natural response to certain things. We can read the news and be angry about that. We can be angry about hearing of a child abused or somebody's life taken or whatever. You can be angry about those things. Um, I would encourage you to not make it a practice. If it, it becomes something that will drag your day down just to get into the news, we know the awful, uh, news that's out there and believe me, the news, uh, does their best to make sure the shock right and so Peyton's going yep they do their best to make sure oh the shocking stuff uh, yeah everything that's going to get my attention and get everyone's attention that's what we're going to put on there you know they don't necessarily want to hear about you know the the puppy race or or whatever you know whatever it was it's the thing that oh, oh there's shock right because whenever something big happens right yeah whenever something big happens you can turn it to any of the major news channels and it's for five days straight. It's nothing but this. I always, I'm always, I'm always amazed at the hurricanes, you know, and whatever. And they've got the one, the one poor weather person down there and they're, you know, clung to a pole, their feet sticking straight out. And they're trying to hold on as you know, without flying away and they're leaning right into the, the rain's hitting them in the face and they're, they're trying to act like they're having a good time. And, uh, you know, it's 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 what the news would uh, would have you watch, and and uh, because it's interesting, it's catastrophic, it's you know those things. But uh, if those type of things, if if there are, are negative things that will bring you down, I just encourage you to to and make you angry more than like the the righteous anger where it ruins your day, or you get mad and for the rest of the day nobody wants to be around you. Right. So if that's going to be the case, I encourage you to shut your TV off. Um, you know, uh, maybe uh, just avoid looking at the craziness of this world um, because it's it's all around. You need to read and pick up the Psalms and read one of those a day and, you know, get into Proverbs and, you know, turn to the Old and New Testament and let us get our news from the Lord. You know, um, I'm sure people will share the other stuff with us, but. But be angry uh, and do not sin. So uh, there is righteous anger. There are things to be angry about. Uh, It's what we do when we're angry. It says be angry and do not sin. So uh, there's that righteous anger and then there's the outburst of wrath that's condemned in the scriptures. So uh it, that self control that we're called to have you know fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness gentleness self control right uh so that we should have self control and it says to meditate uh in your heart on your bed and be still so in the anger to slow down you you know uh, when you're kids uh, you're a kid and you get mad at your parents go to your they'll tell you go to your room your your face is red and everything what what he's saying is is meditate in your heart on your bed and be still. Uh, it takes work. Uh, some of us struggle more with anger than others. Uh, so if you find yourself struggling with anger, here's our recipe to work through that. The scripture doesn't say, "Hey, when you're angry, go punch holes in the wall." <laughs> I've watched people do that and break their hand. Um, so yeah, I, I just just the silliness of it. Um, uh, it's uh, it, it takes some work. It even says in here, meditate on your heart on your bed. That doesn't mean stand on your bed. That means sit or lie on your bed. Calm down, right? Calm down, uh, and uh, and be still. You know, it's totally opposite from when we're mad and what we want to do, right? So uh, when we're mad, we say things. It says here, meditate in your heart. If you're meditating in your heart, you're thinking about, hopefully thinking about the word. Grab the word, start reading it, you know, and, and just calm down and start, Lord, help me. You know, let it be a prayer to him. Uh, because otherwise we say and do things we're going to regret. So uh, it, that be angry and do not sin. So take some time, uh, relax, meditate on the word, control the anger and don't give into it. Uh, I remember hearing Ken Graves say, "Do the second thing that comes to mind when you're mad <laughs> right? and uh, and and if it needs to be, it might be the third or fourth thing. but right? So, I can almost guarantee the first thing that comes to mind is the bad thing. So <laughs> let's move that aside. And I've been able, that right there has been one of the easiest things for me to share in any time that I'm sitting you know talking with somebody. And, I, you know, when I work at, at a college and these kids and they're mad or anything, I'll pull them aside and be like, hey, I know this is bugging you. I know you're thinking this and you were just saying that you can't do that, you know. And I'll say, hey, a pastor I like, you know, and they're, they're, there's the open door and I'll see where the Lord takes the conversation from there. And, uh, you know, uh, one that, well, a pastor that I like, one that, that you know, is in my chain of command and uh, uh, everything. and just I'll share that with them and it sticks in their mind because they'll look at me. I'll, I'll talk to them two weeks later, three weeks later. And they'll be like, I didn't do the first thing that came to mind. And that's an easy thing to remember. So I encourage us to embrace it ourselves, but also to share it. Um, because usually I I would probably say a hundred percent of the time, the first thing that comes to mind is the wrong thing. So, um, that's very, very wise. Um, Uh, A very wise thing to pass along to us that I'm grateful for. So, excuse me. Yeah, so uh, what she's saying, if anybody uh, doesn't hear, it, she's saying that if it's another person that is, uh, if, if there's conflict between the two, then uh, if we're the other person, then we're going to try to resolve that and not and not push into it, especially as brother and sister in the Lord. You know, uh, you know, if someone uh, comes up to you like Matthew 18 says and says, "Hey, you've sinned against, uh, you know, uh, you've you've sinned against me," then sit and talk about it without the anger, just say, hey, we just need to have the conversation. Let's each say our piece and listen to each other and and move forward. Instead of you're bad, you've done this, and da da, 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 da. it's that it's that thing as soon as all that's gonna do is the blood pressure of the other person's gonna go up, the body temperature's gonna go up, right? And uh and and it's it's gonna escalate. Everything's gonna escalate instead of can we can we sit and talk? Do you, you have a minute. Can we can we go somewhere quiet and talk? It's that that quiet. It's that peace. And especially brother and sister, brother, you know, in the Lord. Uh, let's pray before we talk. <laughs> let's sit and let's pray because uh, until we come to the Lord and we sit at His feet and say, oh, Lord, you know what's going on here. Would you please carry us through this? He's going to. He's not going to be like, yeah, you asked, but you didn't ask good enough. Right. <laughs> no, he, that's not what he's going to do. He's he, he's he's gracious and he loves us. And uh, it, we have the word and uh, a few things, a few uh, tools to put in your your uh, your backpack, your toolbox, uh, whatever you want to uh, call it. But uh, Psalm 119 verse 11 says your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. You see the negative connotation with everything mentioned with anger, right? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 26 and 27 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Resolve things. You know, if it's at night, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You're not going to sleep that night unless we can put it to rest, right? Sometimes that's easier said than done. Get in the scripture. Just. It's scary because it says, you go and you haven't addressed it. You're angry. You don't. God said, don't look to me until you resolve it. Yeah. Yeah. And so and then with all men. Yeah, peacefully with all men. Least or I'm to give. Yeah. So I mean to me it's more what are the consequences? Are you going you know I I think this idea meditate on if you don't resolve it, what is the Lord saying if you're not resolving? It should, always, whenever whenever there is is strife, whenever there's um, you know confrontation, especially between Christians, it should be resolved at the lowest point at, at possible every time. It shouldn't be that it it continues to boil, continues to boil, then it boils over, and then we got bigger messes everywhere. Instead, go right to them. You said you you know this you know this is what we're dealing with, and and uh, you know this is this is uh, the situation, what it is. Uh, you said these things uh, let's talk that, that really that hurt you know what you said and, uh, or whatever it is or hey, you know what I said this to you and I realized it probably hurt and I, I want to come to you and say, I'm sorry, I've already gone to the Lord. Um, that, that uh, willingness to humble ourselves is important. So when when David is talking about here, you know meditate within your heart uh, on your on your bed and be still it's talking about the quiet that for us to get alone with the lord and be still the opposite is punching things throwing things yelling things the total opposite right here is meditate on your bed and be still just i remember i've, I've had to um i won't even get into that um uh it it just helping somebody through a time that it was it was not it was not good physically had to restrain them physically from hurting themselves. Uh, themselves, And uh, uh, that it's, it, it's a sad thing to see when someone is is not in the right state of mind uh, and they're, they're physically hurting themselves and you have to restrain them. Um, it's, it's too bad because all they're going to do is hurt themselves. And that's what, uh, what any of this is saying is if, if we're not obedient to that, that's what we're going to do. Because remember Psalm uh, 37 verse 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm right? Only causes harm. The worrying, uh, all those saying it only causes, that's worrying never produces anything positive, nothing. There's there's nothing good that comes from worrying, nothing. All it does is causes harm, physically causes harm, right? Th- those times where your blood pressure can go straight through the roof, I've been there. Where you're not sleeping, you can't eat, you can't rest, you can't relax, I've been there. Yeah it always causes harm it's better to just sit at god's feet lay it at his feet and say lord i cannot handle this will you help me and he will he will we just have to continue to focus on him verse 5 verse 5 says offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the lord so rather than go in the route of anger and uh, we sh- we should offer uh, the sacrifices of righteousness it's the opposite of anger that that we can we can settle down and we can approach this in a godly way romans chapter 12 verses one and two paul writes i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to god which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The, perfect, uh, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is not shown in our anger. It's not. But when we can present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, Then it says here, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to the uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The scriptures renews our mind. It's it's having control of our mind instead of losing the control of our mind. So there's there's a command here in Romans 12 that we present our bodies a living sacrifice to God living sacrifice that we Live our lives as a sacrifice. That those things that we held on to, the anger, the strife, the whatever, the whatever, the whatever, are all being just cast away and we're following the Lord. And our mind will be renewed. It says in the uh, the uh, end of verse 5, it says, And put your trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? A lot of us know this one. Uh, right? Uh, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's, that's where it says right here. Um, that this is written by David. And then Proverbs written by David's son. You know, so uh, David says, you know, uh, that... Uh, offer the sacrifice of righteousness to put your trust in the Lord. His son Solomon writes, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all our ways and with the way we live our lives, uh, acknowledge the Lord and he shall direct our paths. That's, uh, there, there, there's the key. If we find ourselves lost, it's not because God, our compass, got uh, messed up. It's because we wandered. And so when we trust the Lord and we follow him, then we're always going to be on the right path with him. Verse six says, there are so, there are many who say, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. So uh, I'm going to share uh, just a verse. Numbers 6, verses 24 through 26 say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Isn't that that's great? That's a great way. You know what? I was challenged by that. And um, the Lord spoke to me, and I, I, I need to pray about it, but it might be, uh, at the end of every service, that, that the Lord put that on my heart to share. At the end of every service, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You know, what a great way. You know, there's there's uh, uh, many times uh, in Calvary Chapel, the end of the service, uh, or if you listen online, they'll say grace and peace. We want God's grace and peace, right? Uh, so So there it is there. Um, I, when it says here, there are many who say, um, who say who will show us any good. The answer to that is Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us and and you, that the, the light of your countenance. And then it says, um, you'll put gladness in my heart more than, than any great harvest really is what it's talking about. The gladness and joy, you know, we experience of life in life because God's presence is and uh, because of his presence, and as we acknowledge his blessings. Uh, th- those things uh, uh, far exceed whatever the world, uh, the best of the world can offer to us. That that as we seek the Lord, there's nothing that we're going to see that will give us this gladness. In our, there are things that will give us temporary gladness, a fake joy. Sin's fun for a while, is really what it is, until sin gets its teeth and it's it's hook set in right you, know, you think of fishing and whoosh, as soon as that hook is set that thing that fish is going wherever you want it to the same thing with sin it now is our master and controls us right that which you obey is your master right uh so so as that hook is pulling and that that's sin. oh hey there's nothing wrong with this snap you set the hook and you know we're stuck god's our only hope you know and and so there's gladness at first, oh look at this this thing looks great. We talked about it this morning the wine circling in the wine and the in the glass oh, it's sparkling and it's red look how appealing it is you know and and then uh you know the the then it sets it says uh, that it that it can sting like a viper. You know, and uh, it, it talks about the uh, the serpent and the viper. I think uh, were the actual words. I'd have to turn back to it uh, to find it. And uh, Shannon has it on my notes <laughs> in her in her hand probably from uh, from this morning. But it's it's the warning of of how enticing uh, the sin can be. It's can seem to give a temporary gladness, but at the end, it's talking about you know woe uh, to the person who uh, who's dealing with. Uh, being overtaken by wine and their life is is submitted to wine. It's like they said it says in there um, uh, it, it, I think it's Proverbs 29 It's talking about uh, the 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 man that has drank too much wine is like the one laying down in the in the um, uh, On the ship and and you know that just just thinking of that we all understand what it's saying there and uh, We talked about those things I would much rather have the gladness of the Lord than, than the sparkly wine or the, the, the appealing uh, you know sinful uh, picture to see or the whatever it is that would draw us uh, into money or power or whatever it is. I, I just want what the Lord has uh, because that's where we... Uh, godliness with contentment is great gain is what the scripture tells us, right? Godliness with contentment is great gain. I would ra- much rather... Uh, have what the Lord has than uh, what this world has. Psalm 97 verses 11 and 12 says, "Uh, light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Isaiah 9 verse 3 says, "Uh, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. Uh, They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. When it's talking about here, you've put a gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. Uh, the, the grain and wine, that's the, the harvest. You know, all the work has been done. The, the, I, I don't own a, a farm. My family owns a blueberry field. Um, and so we, uh, that, that whole portion, I understand the work, the harvest, it's a lot of work. You know, if anybody here has ever raked blueberries, you know, when you go home at night and all you see is blueberries when you close your eyes. Yeah, and it's just, and it doesn't go away for like three weeks and you just see rows, we call them reeks, reeks and reeks of blueberries. And when you look down you close your eyes, it's just blueberries everywhere, right? And, uh, you know, they're they're in your hair, they're in your shoes. I just, the blueberries are everywhere, right? And, uh, but at the end of the, you know the harvest week and everything, as kids we got our money to go to the fair. And, and by, I remember my my cousin was so excited. He made like two hundred dollars or something, and that's a lot of money for you know a teenage kid back then. And and uh, he went and bought swords. <laughs> so he, I can't remember if he bought them at the at the fair, but I remember we with the money was spent at the fair because you had to have the. The rock band little uh, mirror thing that, that, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Had to have that. I had to have them. Uh, for all the 80s rock bands that I loved and uh, and then I got this big you know poster that glowed uh, was glowing in the dark of another one and uh, it's just uh, the, the the funny things but you were we were we were blessed to have the money from the harvest so it's saying here that the gladness and joy of the lord is is greater than you know that all that work you know the just the tilling the land, the planting of the seed the the watering the taking care of everything, that has to do with the field of whatever's being planted. Then you have to harvest it. If you've never hayed before, haying is not enjoyable, right? You're <laughs> see it's some head nods, right? Haying is not fun. It's always a hot day and you're dying. You're, you know, just sweating to death. You know, now they've got these, I, I went haying with my sister and, uh, And I'm riding on the back of uh, something. I can't remember exactly. You know what? This was last summer or the summer before. And and it's like all being done. You just and it's just like getting launched up into the. And these guys are standing up in the truck and they're like, and they're catching these things and putting them down. Even it's doing all that work. At the end of the day, you are dehydrated and exhausted, sunburned. You know all those things that it's saying here more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. You know, the gladness that can come from just celebrating all of that, the work that's been done. uh, The Lord's uh, gladness uh, exceeds those things. Verse 8, I will both lie down in, in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David's trust was in the Lord and not in his army or military might. David was a mighty man uh, of valor, and he had a whole army worth of people that had had defected from Saul's army, even from Saul's uh, Saul's tribe of Benjamin. They all defected and were were following. You can look into First Chronicles twelve and just see. All the like, there are thousands of men that have gone. You know, David's running from Saul. Saul was trying to pin him to the wall with a spear because he knew that the Lord's call was was to replace Saul. So Saul just wanted to kill him. So no matter what David did, even though he was such a faithful servant and had opportunity to 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 kill Saul if he wanted to, uh, David didn't because he was the Lord's anointed. And Saul would even say, "Oh, I, you know, basically, total paraphrase. I've messed up. Please, David, forgive me." and you know david's going no oh, okay i'm coming down you're not going to kill me right you know that was a, it was a very uh, you know he couldn't he couldn't trust being around saul and and he thankfully had jonathan saul's son uh you know that would that was looking out for him you know the best friend of the arrows right you know if i shoot it too far that means get out of here right you know and i tell the kid you know keep going keep going that means you need to keep going and run away um so uh <clears throat> david uh as a as a mighty man of war, remember the song that was sung uh, when they were coming back in, and, and Saul got mad, and Saul's killed his thousands, David his ten thousands, right? So David was a a great military leader, and uh, he had mighty men of valor men of valor from uh, each tribe, but he knew that his help really came from the Lord. Uh, he knew that it didn't matter uh, how many he had in his in his corner. It was the Lord that it, that was his strength. He says here, verse eight. This is powerful. I will both lie down and, and sorry, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. There was no fear of man. D- David David could rest his head. Saul couldn't. Saul couldn't rest. He was too paranoid, right? And that paranoia drove him crazy even though David wasn't wasn't seeking his life uh, Saul was convinced that it, so Saul the opposite and we're going to study Saul actually in chapter five as we move into that here in just a moment but that David no matter what the the, the people that he had uh, seeking after him uh, whatever it is he just says I will both lie down and, and peace and sl- excuse me and sleep I can lie down in peace and sleep opposite. But what we've studied here uh, of, of what the worry and anger can do for us. We can just go to the Lord and trust him that he is our. It says, for you alone, uh, make me dwell in safety. You alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. So that's Psalm 4. Let's uh, move right on to Psalm 5. Once again, it says to the chief musician with flutes, a Psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry. My King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgression, transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who also those also who loved your name be joyful in you, for you, O oh Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. So there's a lot to cover here, but uh, as we as we go through, uh, it's there's it, it all makes sense. It's a prayer of um, uh, it's it's calling out to the Lord uh, for several different things. So in verse one it says, "Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation." That meditation uh, can also be looked at as groaning. You know, uh, give ear to my words. That the, you know, asking the Lord, Lord, please hear me. You know, when we when we're groaning, when we're that that groaning, uh, that means great distress in his life, and that he can call out to the Lord and just ask God to hear him. It Says, "Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God." For to you, I will pray. So this is, uh, um, it says in verse five, give, uh, give heed to the voice of my cry. So here is, uh, this is quite a bit. This is a king calling out humility from a place of authority. He was a, over, you know, he's, he's a king reigning. And uh, it's very, very wise for a king to understand that God is greater than him. And when he says this, he says, give ear to my voice of my, uh, the voice of my cry, uh, my king and my God. You know, this is, uh, he's calling out, so the king is calling out to the great king at this point. Opposite of Herod. So here's an example of uh, Herod, a ruler. Uh, Acts chapter 12, you might remember that uh, uh, the, the crowd is calling out to him and, and uh, the voice of a God and not a man. The voice of God and not, not a man, and he enjoys it. Ends up getting eaten by worms. No thanks. <laughs> I'll take the alternative. Uh, so he allowed himself to be worshipped as God, and uh, uh, he—it's—that's uh, none of us want to be eaten by worms. Uh, if you remember uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and actually, we'll—we've uh, got a few minutes. Uh, let's turn to Daniel uh, chapter nine. Oh, sorry, Daniel chapter four. Daniel chapter four. Take a hard right. You're gonna see uh, Isaiah, you know, Jeremiah, yeah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. You'll, you'll go through some of those, and then you get to Daniel chapter four, verse thirty-three. Sorry, verse 20, uh, 28 so nebuchadnezzar uh in in daniel uh you know uh, he the, the israel had been taken away captive to babylon and nebuchadnezzar's the king and uh there were the things that we can read in here where we um where we see um you know daniel's friends shadrach meshach and abednego um where they refused uh to uh to obey nebuchadnezzar and um uh, they uh, get tossed into the fire, and when everybody looks in, uh, they they were all bound, and they're unbound, and it says there's one in there that looks like the son of man, uh, the son of God, walking with them. You know, so uh, so just a little bit uh, to familiarize us all um, with what's going on here. And, and so Nebuchadnezzar praised God. Uh, then there's there's some uh, some weirdness here. Uh, he's a pagan king. So he's going to praise God for this, but then he's still going to do this, and it's not like this guy's, you know, a, uh, the, the Christian walking around. And you know, uh, he he's he's a pagan king, and he um, he's blessed by Daniel, and he's blessed by um, uh, by Daniel's friends and everything. But uh, he still does some foolish things. So, uh, and we see one of those foolish things uh, here in chapter four, verse twenty-eight. It says all this came upon the king uh, so the, oh, sorry when we when we go back here there's a uh description of uh, dreams so Nebuchadnezzar uh has some dreams that are concerning him and uh and daniel's able to um uh, to reveal uh the meaning of these dreams and So Nebuchadnezzar comes to a point in verse 28. It says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of the 12 months. He was walking about the royal palace in Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling? By my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar. To you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall uh, make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and uh, gives it to whomever he chooses that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning nebuchadnezzar he was driven from men and ate grass like oxen his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws (laughs) yeah crazy. but he went crazy Went crazy. He's out there eating grass, and his hair, hair's getting long like bird feathers, and he's got you know claw, claws in here like a bird. You know, he that's you know he, as he's looking at everything and he's praising himself. What does God do? Humble him. You know, I don't want to be on the other side of that. Uh, and, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, it, what's, what's neat is, as you see, um, uh, if you read the rest of that, that Nebuchadnezzar repents and he, when he's restored to his right mind, says the, uh, we will read uh, verse 34 says, and at the re- at the end of the time, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven. My understanding returned to me and I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever. You know, And it goes on, and it lists, it lists a lot of things there. Uh, verse 36 says, At the time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles uh, resorted to me. I was, uh, I was restored uh, to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. And now I, I Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth, and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Hey, the last thing I'm going to write is if you're walking in pride, he's able to put you down. Right? You know, I'm just walking and I'm talking to myself or you know whoever's around. And hey, this is not the one. Now he's you know eagle hair and claws and you know eating grass. You know, I just love that the last thing he said. And those who put in, uh, who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Uh, you know, it's uh, he was humbled by the Lord, and and he had praise for the Lord. So, and Nebuchadnezzar is an interesting study. Do a do a study on Nebuchadnezzar, and you're going to learn a lot and how God ministered to him. Saul, as the last example, we'll talk about uh, here. Uh, Saul was little in his own, own eyes when he started. You might remember. Uh, you know when he was sought out, it was said that uh, and and told he was going to be king. He was head and shoulder. He was when Israel was demanding a king, uh, and uh, you know Samuel uh, is uh, fine. If you, if you, you want a king, then you know the Lord says you can have a king, and uh, you're going to have consequences that go with it. And uh, uh, so he goes, and it's 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 Saul that's chosen, and he's the one that you'd think would be chosen he's head and shoulders tall he's handsome above everybody else he's handsome he's of the tribe of benjamin he's he's humble all those things and then things change and he starts building the kingdom to himself and the lord gave him very uh simple and very uh specific instructions to wipe out the amalekites uh for their great sin against him what does he do he goes and he saves the the good things and uh, Samuel goes and he goes, hey, didn't the Lord, uh, this is a little bit of a paraphrase, didn't the Lord tell you to wipe everything out? Yes, uh, before, and he goes, then what's the bleeding of sheep that I hear? And then Samuel Samuel tells him uh, that, uh, that uh, we'll, we'll read it right now, or you'll see it up there, uh, 1 Samuel 15 verses 17 and 23 are we're gonna uh, what we're going to look at. There's a break there. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not, Uh, head of the tribes of israel and did not the lord anoint you king over israel so when you were little in your own eyes didn't god promote you and put you in that spot verse 23 uh as as samuel is is dealing with the the um sinfulness of of saul and his stubbornness In his rebellion, Samuel says for rebellion, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you've rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king because he started out small in his own eyes. And now he's built this whole kingdom to himself and he's getting all the best of everything. And he's keeping even though he was told to wipe utterly destroy everything, but he kept the good stuff. And he tries. It, it, you guys remember? Um, you know, he tries to say, "Oh, well, it was the people. Like, who's the king of the people? You're the one in charge. You don't. They don't blame all the servants. You blame you. You're the one in charge. You try to pull the wool over the eyes of a seer. <laughs> you know, he, he he's a uh, uh, he's a prophet. The Lord has has blessed him and uses him as a seer and speaks uh, specifically and specially to him." You know, you're not going to pull the wool over his eyes. The Lord, the Lord reveals that pretty quickly to him. Back in uh, chapter five, uh, Psalm five, and that was a, I know, a long explanation for my King and my God. But it's important to understand this King understand who the true understood who the true King was. And for a king uh, as mighty as David was, and even the star of David, you look at the, the flag today, it's the star of David. He's known as the, the king of Israel. You know, When they look back, he was the greatest king for them. So, uh, so understanding uh, his humility that he would call God his king. Uh, it says, my king and my God, for to you I will pray. He's the only one to pray to you. Uh, verse thir- uh Verse three says, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct it up to you and I will look up. A great way to start the day, seeking God's face, saying, I have this in front of me. Help me to make wise decisions. Give me discernment for everything that I'm going to face today. Thank you for everything. There's, there are many things that we can do to lift our voice to the Lord. And when he's saying here, my voice you shall hear in the morning, that he will direct it up to God. Voice and praise, voice and in, in, in prayer, uh, whatever you need to do. But the encouragement here that we can, we can glean from this is that we, uh, as we start our day, to look upward and to pray and spend time with the Lord and praise him and, and reach out to him and sing to him. Uh, Whatever it may be, but my voice uh, you shall hear in the morning, in the morning. I like how he says, uh, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it up to you. So I'm going to start my day looking, uh, my my voice will come up and I will look up. Verse 4. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak, who, who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Evil can't stand in God's presence. God, what it, I mean, those are some very pointed and very straightforward things that he says here. Uh, Psalm 11 verse 5 says, The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. So uh, it's the uh, the mindset of the Lord loves those who are are, are uh, after His own heart. It was even said of David, he's a man after after my own heart. The Lord said that humility. Uh, instead of these things, where you can look somebody who takes pleasure in wickedness, pleasure in wickedness. It's it's wicked. It's wrong for me to do, but I'm still going to do it because I like it. You know, uh, that's, I don't want to be on this side of, of, uh, of God. Uh, the, I don't want his wrath. I don't want his judgment. So, you know, who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall, you, uh, shall evil dwell with you. Uh, the boastful shall not stand in your sight. And it's talking about the workers of iniquity, those who speak falsehood, that, that their voice is, is, and, and their tongue is used for lies. And uh, it's it, those things that says the Lord, hey, and the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. There shouldn't be, you know, how many times do we see in the scripture, especially when you look into Proverbs and it's warning, warning against the traps that can be set. Uh, and uh, it, it just very clearly speaking out that the Lord is against that, uh, the, the wickedness uh, of those, those people here says in um, verse 5, the boastful shall not stand in your sight. Uh, we want something to boast in. We should boast as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 26 through 31. It says, for you, see, uh, for you see your calling, my brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. There's the reason, verse 29 that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are, you are in Christ Jesus, uh, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Pretty straightforward, you know. There's the the boastful, uh, the boastful person that's that's a sinner, uh, but uh, of the Christian, it should be that any glory that we have, there should be no glory. Uh, uh, that no flesh should glory in his presence, and he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. One more verse, to sh- uh, passage to share. Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let the, not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich glory in his riches. We've never seen anybody do any of those things, right? I saw the pictures. I've seen pictures of professional fighters that they walk around with like a million dollars in their backpack or two million dollars in their backpack, and I saw recently a picture of a table of all the stacks of money in front of them. You know that glory—it's like not the rich man glory in his riches. Those riches are so fleeting, and they absolutely will not help you in some circumstances. To walk around, how foolish is it? You may be a great fighter, but how foolish is it? Because can you can you punch a bullet out of the ground out of the air? You know. Now people aren't going to come up and try to box you, man. (laughs) They're going to say, I'm going to lose that way. This is an advantage I need, right? Yeah, a pipe wrench in my hand might make a difference, right? You know, it's just those things. It's so foolish. Where the Lord, this is the Lord saying this, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. The only glory we should have, the only boasting we should have, the uh, Lecrae. Some people like him, some people don't like his his new stance and his music. I love some of his older music. It's awesome. There's a song I think it's just called Boasting, or um, I, I I I don't even remember what it is, so I got to look it up as we're talking. So, um, it's one of my one of my uh, favorite songs, and uh, uh, and it's a uh, uh, it's a uh, I love I love the song. And uh, Lecrae, and I think it's uh, just called Boasting. Um, and uh, th- what he's saying is that any any boast that he has um, is is going to be in the Lord. And now I've got a billion songs. Uh, boasting. The song's called Boasting. And uh, it, uh, if you like any hip-hop or anything, it's a good song, okay? Um, and it's, it's just him crying out that I, I just want to, you know, uh, the, if this life has anything to gain at all, count it, count it lost if I can't see you, if I can't feel you. Um, uh, make my boast in you alone is in the chorus. So, uh, so it's, uh, when we see in verse 24 of Jeremiah 9, it says, But let him, glor- him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That would be something not even to brag about, you know what I mean? But if there's going to be anything that brings you joy that you're going to be excited about, uh, hey, you know what? I know God. I know God. I, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That that would be the boast, you know. That we would boast and praise His name and what He's done in our lives. He's freed me from this and that. You ought to know Jesus too, you know. Uh, that that we can share that. It says uh, that uh, it says that he uh, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. Uh, in the earth, for in these things, uh, for in these I delight, says the Lord. Those are the words, Lord's, uh, the words, Lord, oh, my goodness, Lord's words. Uh, so, yeah, I've, as you can tell, it's it's Sunday night and my brain is starting to shut off. My voice is gone, but uh, uh, God is faithful. Verse six, uh, I another scripture to share. Uh, verse six says, uh, you shall destroy those who speak falsehood, the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Uh, Proverbs 26 verse 27 says, whoever digs a pit will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. That rolling the stone that it might roll down and kill somebody hurt or maim somebody. Uh, it's it, What it's saying there is the person that has that violent mindset uh, that that wants to hurt, and where it says you workers of iniquity, all the way back up into five. Um, that that evil, that wicked. You know, you can set any trap you want, you're going to get caught in it. It's it's going to get you, is is what it's saying. Verse seven. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. When we approach the Lord, it's because I were, I, Lord, because of your mercy and grace, thank you that I can come to you. It's so, a oh. Lord aren't you aren't you lucky to have me you know god you are oh wow if you under you know you know how special i am you know that's a, that's not the approach here's david saying but as for me as a king as we saw uh that that he says in in verse um, verse two: uh, This king is coming humbly uh, before the Lord. He says, "But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple." That humility of heart that we need—that here's somebody who's a king that could be all puffed up, but he loves the Lord and he's seeking the Lord. It's opposite of what we just read of Saul and Herod and and uh, and the mess that they created in their lives. Verse eight says, uh, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. Lord, just show me where I need to go. You know, just those times where it, I, I may not understand what's going on. Uh I the, the path may seem too hard. Whatever it is, Lord, you make your way straight. You know that I need to follow you. You're not gonna you're not gonna lead me astray. Just let me know the path and help me to follow the path is is the prayer. And God will answer that. Verse 9 says, for there uh, there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an empty tomb. They flatter with their tongue. It's all fake. It's all empty and it's all dead uh, is what he's saying here. They flatter with their tongue. Flattery is something to be weary of. The flattery. Oh, you're so great. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, okay. I, I used to do that to my art teacher in school. Okay, I was awful at art, and I knew I was going to get an F if I didn't do this. You know, I was I was a straight D student in art, and that was just because I showed up. And I would walk in, and, and it was Mrs. Bertrand. I lo- I loved her; she was awesome. And I'd walk in, and I'd I'd ask, Don, "Mrs. Bertrand, you know, my day was all cloudy, and I walked in. This is high school, and the sun shined through." And she said, "Yes, John, sit down." So at the end of the year, she uh, I, I got a, a box of brownies from her. And, uh, you know, the end of your assembly, and she's like, this guy always kissed up to me. Got a ton of brownie brownie points. So I, I, she gave me a, a thing. So because, you know, it was flattery, and she knew it was fake and everything. You know, that's that's a, a good-hearted flattery, but we all know flattery's fake. You know, it's it's you flatter because you want to get something from somebody. For me, I didn't want to fail the class because I hated art. Now, I wasn't good at math, science, or art, right? So now you guys know all those things. So then you're like, what was he good at? I don't that coloring. I don't know. Uh, so I just, like, like I said, but uh, that flattery, that flattery, because I wanted something uh, and uh, I'm just going to try to butter them up or whatever. So uh, that, because there's a selfish desire there, David writes in, in verse 10 says, pronounce them guilty. Oh God, let them fall by their own counsels, by their own counsels. As they're professing to be wise and great and everything, let their own counsels fail in front of them. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. That rebellion, just you reap what you sow. You know, none of us want to reap what we sow, but in the rejection of God, that's what's going to happen. You know, and, and, and David's just saying, cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have sinned against you. Another word of contrast there. That contrast in verse 11 starts as But let those who rejoice, uh, those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. You know, when he's talking about these people, these wicked people in front of them, that their inward parts destruction, their, their throats an empty tomb, they've got nothing good to say. Uh, they say wicked uh, and deceitful things, and, and they're just they're bad hearted, evil hearted. A wicked people is what he's saying um he, he says uh, you know uh, let those rejoice who put their trust in you let them ever shout for joy because you defend them that god is the defense uh let those also who love your name be joyful in you that joyfulness that comes in walking with the lord there's nothing that would overcome that or replace that for you O lord will bless the righteous with favor you will surround him as with a shield god's favor it's not because we're so great now he's going to protect us it's because of god's favor I, that's the shield you want, right? I don't know if you've watched any of the the superhero movies and you got the magic shield and everything like that That's like this big and you can you know hit them with a train and that little thing is gonna it, That's not right and you got a billion arrows flying out here and You're gonna be able to block them all with it. No, you know what? I want God to be that shield in front of me and uh, and I'm gonna be all set just understanding that uh, the fiery darts of the wicked one we don't have to fear because the Lord is the one that's protecting us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so blessed to be able to to read through and uh, see how you spoke to David and how you used him to write these, and that we can learn our faith can be built up and that we can walk stronger with you and we can have a, a firm foundation in you, trusting in you, not putting our trust in anything else. As verse 5 of Psalm uh, 4 says, you know, our, uh, for us to offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put our trust in you. Oh, Lord, there's so many examples we can we can learn from in these two psalms. Help us to apply them to our lives. Remember them. Lord, that it wouldn't be that we, we leave here and go, hey, you know, that was, that was great material there. I don't remember any of it. None of us want to do that. Just continue to remind us of your faithfulness and our uh, that it would be so wise of us to, to not be overcome with anger, but Lord, to lay down on our bed and meditate on you and be still. And God, that you would, you would help us through whatever we're dealing with, that we would trust you, that we would be able to lo- lie down in peace and sleep knowing that you alone make us dwell in safety that we don't have to worry about anybody who's a worker of wickedness and uh, you know boasting proud things around us and and and, and troubling us in our lives, Lord. Uh, Lord, we can just trust in you and walk in you. We thank you. We love you. We praise you and pray that you would be with us as we leave this place and as we go into the, the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.